I think that's true. That uh, we should get a new intro. Yeah. Our intro is very old and sort of. It's not jaded. What's the word I'm looking for? Like us. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's that it sounds like it's from the opening theme to the Poirot TV show. That's what I think of when I hear That's it. your aesthetic. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm Jerry. I'm Lacey. And today we're going to be talking about... Amityville! The Amityville. Amityville Horror. My favorite version of Amityville is... Um, the <laughs> version? Because there are a lot of versions. There's like 27 of them. Yeah. Mine is the Ill Will Press Foamy Squirrel, and they have the Haunted Amityville Toaster. Oh, so what is that for people who don't know? It's like from 2003, like a kind of like Newgroundsy kind of thing. And it's, well, like what is it? It's a cartoon. Because people might not know what Newgrounds is either. <laughs> oh, are we that old? I think so. Anyway, it's a cartoon squirrel, and he talks about a haunted toaster, and it's way better than any Amityville movie I've seen. That's true. That's very true. Yeah, so we've spent the last couple of weeks, I've spent the last couple of weeks uh, watching all of the Amityville horror movies. I sat through the one with Ryan Reynolds without a shirt most of the movie. That's a really good, we're going to talk about that one. We'll talk about that one. Um, yeah, there's actually like a ton of movies. I don't know if you knew that, but uh, I didn't It's like watch... the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like there's one every year. So before we get into like the story of mm-hmm. the Amityville horror um, do you have any recommendations? Anything you've been listening to? Anything that you've been enjoying? I've been listening to Willow Smith's Wait a Minute on repeat <laughs> all day, every day, because it's such a vibe, and it's Wait not spooky, <laughs> and it's not paranormal. It's just a really good song. No, it is. It is a really good song. Yeah. I- I've also uh, recently started listening to uh, Maggie Rogers. Who? Yeah. She's like... I'll, I'll put a link in the description... She's like a like a folk singer, but she has this like Lauren Hill kind of like vibe. Oh, yeah, she's she's really good. That's that's what I've been listening <laughs> any to. recommendations for your spooky podcast? Um, some music that is not spooky. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I also listen to the audiobook for the Jay Anson novel, The Amityville Horror. Oh, calling it a novel is a little <laughs> it's a little strong. It's a novel idea. It's a novel idea. Well, it's it's a good um it's a good book if you. If you want to believe it, I think. Like if you really want to believe the story, yeah, it's a great book. But knowing what I know about it, uh, no, I can't really endorse it. Jerry gives it a stamp of disapproval. Yeah, it is stamped with disapproval. It's just a... I don't understand why why it was written. I don't really... <laughs> that sounds really mean. My birth certificate. <laughs> what I mean... Oh my god. What I mean is like the story that, that it's actually about is actually so much more interesting than what he wrote. Oh. So instead of doing like a novel, I don't understand why he didn't just write about the, the, the DeFeo murders. Right. And then the experiences of the Lutzes, almost like a journalistic book. I would have liked that way more. I did not read the book, so I don't know what is in it. So one of the things that we had talked about prior to, because uh, we'll get into the book and the movies and the real story and, you know, this is a spooky podcast, so we're going to talk about the spookies. Um, we wanted to change our format a little bit. We realized that pretty much every, and we talked about this in a previous episode, that pretty much every haunting that we examined <laughs> boiled down to, like, the same basic explanations. Yeah. <laughs> And we were getting bored. Like, and I figure if we're getting bored, you have to be getting bored. Every time we're like, it's carbon monoxide poisoning. It's the EMF reader is broken. (laughs) Cats. Cats, dust. I think we have all those explanations over and over. 
it gets kind of boring. So we're changing up our format a little bit where we're just going to talk about subjects that have to do with the paranormal. This is an episode that I've actually been trying to do for a long time. Um, and every time I was like, okay, we're ready, then I'd find a new piece of information or someone would provide me with a new piece of information and I would go, damn it. Like, because <laughs> I, I kind of take a little bit of pride in the level of research we do. The level of research you do. Yeah. I show up to the podcast and sometimes I tell jokes. No, no, because you'll go, oh, hey, the kids aren't here. Do you want to do an episode? Go, <laughs> oh, my God, you're right. Yeah, let's get it done. So what do you know, like, about the Amityville Horror? Okay, so there's a house that has spooky eye windows. Um, okay, the Amityville Horror, the precursor or... Right, see, this is what makes this kind of an interesting topic. So for the beginning, in the beginning times, um, there was a brother who shot up his family... And then, sometime later, people moved in, and then spooky happenings. Right, and that's that's pretty much the story. So we'll, we'll start at the beginning of like the actual real world recorded in legal documents story. <laughs> um, Ronald DeFeo Jr. Um, that sounds like a killer. I wish I could do it in a John Larroquette voice. He does Ooh. the. Uh, wow! How dare you? <laughs> you really don't know who John Larroquette is? No. Wow. He knows Chaka Khan. <laughs> I don't know historical figures, and Jerry won't leave me alone about it. Oh, man. Yeah, so John Larroquette, he did, like, the opening narration for the Texas Chainsaw Massacres. Um, anyway, he has a great voice for this sort of thing. Ah. He was on Night Court. Nerd alert. <laughs> so, Ronald DeFeo Jr., um, he is known as an American mass murderer. Mm-hmm. Now, I actually learned the difference between a mass murderer and a serial killer from the Forensic Files podcast. Oh, can I take a stab? Yes. Oh, ah! oh I like that. <laughs> Thank you. I made a face, but then I realized this is an audio <laughs> thing. Um, is a mass murder when it's like all at once and a serial killer is like through a, a series of time? Yeah, that's cool. basically it. Hey, yeah. I'm smart. I don't remember what the specifics are for how close together the killings have to be for it to be a mass murder. But yeah, that's the gist of it. Oh. Um, so in 1960, sorry, 1974, he killed his father, his mother, his two brothers, and his two sisters in Amityville, Long Island. Uh, so for our UK listeners who might not know, Long Island is a part of New York. Like, I know people in Pennsylvania who didn't know that, so... Oh no. <laughs> covering all the bases there. Um, yeah, he was found guilty, and he was sentenced to 25 years to life in prison. This is in 1974. He was incarcerated until uh, March 12th of this year when he died. That's bananas. Yeah, so like I thought he had been long dead. Like, I did not realize he was still alive. Uh, he was 69 years old. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Piss off someone with that one. <laughs> Um, so the whole thing started where he, he basically, he called, uh, or no, he didn't call anybody. He went into a bar, um, <laughs> which, so this is going to be a little wild, but, uh, he went into a bar about 6.30 at night and said, you gotta help me. I think my mother and father are shot. So. At a bar? Yeah. He went to a bar and yelled this. So that's kind of strange, right? Yeah. Like I wasn't alive in the seventies, but like they had phones. <laughs> So they went to his house with him, like a bunch of people, and they found his parents shot. They found his whole family shot. And they, uh, one of his buddies, uh, Joe Yeswit, 
which is a really cool name. I like that name. Yes, wait. Uh, he made an emergency call to the Suffolk County Police Department, who they showed up, they found everybody dead. But the thing is, everybody that was dead was also in bed. They were all asleep when they were shot. Now, I'm sure you can guess why that's freaking weird. Yeah, usually when um, a shotgun goes off... I don't know! Our kid sleeps like the dead. I don't think she would hear a shotgun go off. But well, it wasn't a someone would have. I it thought it was. It was a 35 caliber lever action Marlin 336C rifle. That means literally nothing to me. It's still loud. Okay. Like, is the point. It's okay. not a shotgun. I'm just saying for the sake of accuracy, it wasn't right, right, a right. shotgun. But it was still loud. Yeah. Um, and this is inside of a house. It's confined. The parents were both shot twice. While all of the children, and I say children because they were... 18, 13, 12, and 9. Oh, I hate it. We're all shot in their beds. Um, pretty crazy. Uh, forensic people found that Luis DeFeo, which was his mother, and um, I think it was one of the kids, they were actually awake when it happened, but they hadn't gotten out of bed yet. So that's terrifying. Yeah. After this all happened, he got taken into custody. They did a lot of questioning. They did an investigation. And he had all kinds of crazy defenses. Can you guess some of the crazy things he tried to use as a defense for the murders? Ooh, this is a fun game. Aliens. It was not. <laughs> okay, so you can name a wrong one, and then I'll name one that he did actually use. Okay. <laughs> so Besides not aliens. aliens. Um, insanity. Right. Obviously, you have to be insane. Mm -hmm. uh, Demons, claimed... right? Well... Close. Well, he, he claimed for the insanity plea, he claimed that he had heard voices, which were the voices of his parents, plotting against him, so he killed them in self-defense. And the jury was like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then they also had, like, a doctor, like a psychiatrist, who um, supported this. This is this Dr. Daniel Schwartz, who was a psychiatrist, who was like, oh no, I believe him. And then they just brought in, the prosecution brought in a, to a totally different psychiatrist, this guy... Dr. Zolan, who <laughs> sounds like he's a Captain America bad guy. Um, and he was like, uh, no, <laughs> that didn't happen. What is another thing you think he might have done? Demons, right? Um, this was later. Oh. So you are correct, but that's later, and it's uh, it's it gets a little weird. Uh, the other one was that his uh, the prosecution maintained that even though he was a known user of heroin and LSD... <laughs> That um, and that he did have antisocial personality disorder. They think, yeah, he was... I mean, same, but you don't see me blowing off people's heads, <laughs> right? Well, and they said, despite all that, they believe that he knew what he was doing, so he was completely aware of his actions, he wasn't crazy or anything like that. Um, but yes, so there were some uh controversies that went around with this, right? One was that uh, people were trying to understand um, why. The family didn't hear him shooting everybody. His neighbors said that they didn't hear any gunshots at the time that the murder happened, which is 3 o'clock in the morning. They said that they heard his dog barking, but they didn't hear any gunshots. Dude, I feel like there's a movie that I've seen where someone puts like a pillow in front of the gun and shoots him. <laughs> some people suggested that he had used some sort of suppressive device to do that, mm -hmm. but they found no evidence to support this. Oh. There was no suppressive like a silencer but there was mm -hmm. also no evidence of like pillows being shot through oh. 
Um, I don't know that that works. I don't guns. So I've I don't seen really that know. in a movie, right? I I distinctly. I remember. mean, I've seen transforming robots in a movie, but like, <laughs> no, I mean like it's a thing that has been tried at least. Well, I know the myths, but the mist, the mistbusters, you know, <laughs> the mythbusters. I think did something like this, but mm. I actually don't know. Anyone who knows guns, just like <laughs> tell us. Like, is yeah. this a thing that can be done with a pillow? Can you suppress a rifle shot? For oh. science. For science. Also, I think that'd be kind of hard to like hold a rifle with two hands and then also hold a pillow in front of it while positioning it over a sleeping family member. Homeboy is on LSD and heroin. That's fair. <laughs> oh, and uh, this is just a fact that I like because uh, it's in every report about this. Every like, it's in the police report. It's in the Wikipedia page. It's on their... Um, there's, like, a fan site where people... Ew. No, no, no. Like, where people are fans of the story. Okay. And they discuss the details of the story. It's, like, right. a true crime kind of site. Okay. The dog they had was a sheepdog named Shaggy. <laughs> Shaggy! It's not important to anything, but I love that it's included <laughs> in every telling of the story. A lot of people think that the motivation had to do with him and his father. He had, like, a really bad relationship with um, Ronnie DeFeo Sr. But... Um, when he was arrested, and he was at the police station, and they were questioning him, he asked, even though he's he's being arrested, and he's going to be, you know, tried, is he still able to collect on his father's life insurance policy? Bro! A fair question if you're a psychopath, but, um... But, okay, that's a crazy question, it's awful, it's terrible, but, yes? No? <laughs> but... I want to know the answer. Well, and that, and uh, apparently his mother and his father had taken out life insurance policies, and that was his claim to was or not his claim. That was his main concern after the crime. So they were like, "Oh, that's why he killed them," and they assume he killed the rest of the family to eliminate witnesses, maybe or something. They're not really sure. Um, I think there's a lot easier ways that you can totally kill someone to claim insurance other yeah. than just shooting them while they're asleep. It just seems crazy to me. Yeah. What you do? Okay, this is exactly what you do. I'm going to tell you what to do. Perfect. So, you scare them to death. You dig you dig a grave and put someone else in there, and then a hand reaches out, <laughs> and then it grabs you, and you scare them to death a la Wednesday Adams. There you go. That's basically it. See? Um, For legal reasons, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. So, after he got um, arrested and he was convicted, he basically he just went to prison. And people were like, wow, that's really crazy. And in 1986, because after his conviction, he was giving all kinds of crazy interviews of, like, people wanted to talk to him, like the Amityville killer, like, you know, what's up with him? And he gave all sorts of crazy accounts of what happened. He kept changing his story. It was like when the Joker is like, you wonder how I got these scars? And he gives two different stories. It's like that. (laughs) You can't trust anything he says. Yeah. So one of them was in 1986. He gave an interview to Newsday where he says that his sister Dawn actually killed his father and that um, the, his mother, who was distraught by the murder, then killed all of his siblings. And when Reasonable. He, yeah, it makes sense. And then um, she had done this with a 38 caliber Smith & Wesson revolver, which was never found. Um, and when he went in, he was like he had a rifle to defend his family who was already dead. And they fought, and in the struggle, he accidentally shot his mom. That was his story. This obviously, he said he took the blame for the murder because he didn't want to shame his mother and make her look bad. Uh, I mean, this is the flimsy. But story. she's dead. 
Well, you know, he didn't want to disgrace her honor by having, like, you know, she died having been murdered by one of her children after killing all of her other children kind of thing. Look, I love my mom. Mom, I love you. But if you're dead and it's between me going to jail for 25 to life and you having a disgraced name, like, I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, if it makes you feel any better, that's not (laughs) what happened. Um... He also had a story where he said that Michael Brigante Sr., which was his father's uncle, um, went to go stay with them because he was, uh, I guess he was being pursued by the mob. But then he also says that his father's uncle really was Peter DeFeo, who was a, a hitman for the Genovese crime family, and that a hitman from the mob came to kill his uncle, but instead came and killed the family instead. I would love to meet the hitman that's there to kill another hitman, and he shows up and it's just like, I guess I gotta kill somebody. I might as well just kill all these people. He's a dark passenger. Um, he also claimed that, Ronnie DeFeo claimed that during this time he was married uh, to a woman named Geraldine Gates, and that they were living in New Jersey. And um, basically a, a fight had broken out between Dawn and their father, his sister Dawn, and his mother called him and said, I need you to come up to Amityville. Like, they're fighting like crazy. I need your help. Like, whatever. So when he got up there, Geraldine's brother, this guy Richard Ramondo, <laughs> uh, was with him at the time. He basically was able to verify the whole story. He could say, no, Richard was with us. He saw the whole thing where, like, you know, my sister shot our dad and then my mom killed everybody. Richard saw the whole thing. So in 1990... He uh, filed a 440, which is trying to have his um, his conviction vacated. Mm-hmm. Like, I won't get out of prison. I think I've served enough time. Uh, and when they were like, okay, why? He went back and said that when he arrived with Richard and his wife, Geraldine, Dawn was with an unknown assailant Real who quick, helped murder. Did it say where in New Jersey they lived? It does. Where? Um, I will tell you. Okay. Patience. You're gonna love it. Um, and basically, uh, Dawn didn't do the killings. This other unknown assailant who was with her did the killings, but Ronnie unfortunately didn't get a good look at him before he fled the scene. Um, <laughs> then he said that the only person he killed at the time was Dawn. So you see how his story has changed dramatically? Yes. Like multiple times? Um, and that it was by accident, uh, just like the story with his mom. They were struggling with the gun, he shot Dawn, and she died. Um, and again, he says, this is all can be corroborated by my wife, Geraldine Gates, and her brother, uh, Richard. So the court filed an affidavit for Richard to basically bring him in to testify, but they could not locate him anywhere. Then, does, does he exist? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Richard did not exist. He was not a real person. And the Suffolk County District Attorney's Office found out that Geraldine Gates was living in upstate New York and married to someone else at the time of the murders. Um, I feel bad for this chick. Do you think she knows that, like, he had this whole... Yeah, no, they confronted her about it in 1992. The cops went to speak to her about it. And she was like, no, 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 no. Um, She's saying it just like that. Well, the thing is, okay, apparently, it's kind of hard to find because, like, some sources say one thing, some sources say another, that she actually... Uh, corroborated the story at one point 
and that she was confronted about this. And then she was like, oh, no, no, Richard is fake and all this stuff. Um, And that she had... uh, that she hadn't actually married Ronnie, but she was thinking about it. And then when he filed the 440 to get his uh, conviction vacated, she was like going to marry him. But it's like, her story was also changing like crazy. What? Um, yeah. So this guy, Judge Stark, he denied the motion. Wait, do you think that maybe, like, she's one of those chicks who, like, write to prisoners? No, because apparently she did know him before this all happened. Oh. It's just, I think... I thought maybe she's trying to get him out, you know? No, like, and the thing is, is some versions of this, this part of the story say that she was in on the the lie, Mm -hmm. not the murders. And another one say that she had no idea. Huh. So, I really think it's because of this weird disinformation campaign Mm -hmm. that he started. Um... So they, they make this motion to try and get him out, but the judge is like, Judge Stark is like, this is insane. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> judge Stark? Yeah. That's fucking brutal. Yeah, it's a cool man. And they and he says, and I quote, I find the testimony of the defendant overall to be false and fabricated. His testimony that during the fall of 1974, he was married and lived with his wife and child at Long Branch, New Jersey. <gasps> what? Is incredible and not worthy of belief. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shout out to all of our friends who live in Long Branch. Uh, it's a nice town. <laughs> yeah. What? Wait a minute, wait a minute, a minute. So you're telling me that he claims that he lived in New Jersey, lived in Long, Long Branch. Branch, New Jersey, and drove to Long Island Yeah, that's in like a, a time of crisis. It's like a three or four hour drive. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. No, he did not do that. Um. What? <laughs> But the judge goes on to say that uh, that this is incredible and not worthy of belief. He produced no corroborating evidence in this regard. Another dis- uh, reason for my disbelief of the defendant's testimony is demonstrated by consideration of several portions of the trial testimony. He signed a lengthy written statement describing in detail his activities. And in his statement, he said that he lived with his family at 112 Ocean Avenue in Amityville and that he worked for his father. That he usually went to and from work with his father, and he was ill and stayed home from work on November 12th, 1974, the day before they were murdered. So, you could say, stayed on a place on Ocean Avenue. Where is that? <laughs> that he was on probation for having stolen an outboard engine and an appointment to see his probation officer in Amityville that very afternoon. The defendant's girlfriend... Mindy Weiss testified that she began dating the defendant in June of 1974 and was with him frequently that summer and fall. Stark further declared, quote, The defendant's testimony that he did not shoot and kill the members of his family is likewise incredible and not worthy of belief. Oh, <laughs> Judge Stark, you snarky bastard. Well, I mean, he had really good reason. Like, the whole thing is just ridiculous. Um, is he just bored in jail? Or is he crazy? I guess, um... I really don't know. Um, he even was interviewed by uh, Joe Nickel, who uh, Joe Nickel is the guy that worked for um, the Skeptical Inquirer, like magazine, mm-hmm. where they, you know, he's like debunking stuff. Yeah. And he was like, no. The hardly like, paranormal of his time, if you will. Uh, far better than what we do here. <laughs> uh, but basically, he said, like, no, like, there's just nothing to believe here. Like, he changes his story so much, you should approach every story he tells with caution. So we never know what the real story is. No, we know what the real story is. Because he, when he was originally brought in, he told them exactly what he did. And then he, they took down a statement, which was like a written record of everything he's telling them. Right. And then he signed it that it was true. 
And based on the forensic evidence at the scene, his original story it, it, it makes sense with what they found. Oh, okay. So we know exactly what happened. One of the weird things, though, is they can't find the gun. <laughs> Oh shit! They know based on the caliber. They know the caliber of bullets that were used, mm-hmm. and therefore they know what kind of gun was used. But they don't. They couldn't find the actual gun, like anywhere. Huh? And if you remember from the films, they live. They have like a boathouse. Yeah. There's nothing in the water. Boat was never taken out, so there's no way for him to dispose of evidence that way. Oh shit! Those ghosts. It was probably demons. So. We're going to fast forward just a teeny tiny bit to the next part of the story, uh, which is about the Lutzes, which is like the worst name. I think called the Putzes. I just can't say the name without laughing a little bit. And I hate that because I don't want to laugh about it. Um, but the, it basically was the Lutz family. It was George and I can't remember his wife's name now. It escaped me. Is it because we were watching the movie? She screams George so much and he's never she wearing does. a shirt. Oh, it's Kathy. Ah. Kathy Lutz. George and Kathy Lutz. And they moved into a house with their three kids, uh, Daniel, Christopher, and Melissa, who they called Missy, who were nine, seven, and five, respectively. And that is where the story... They lived in the house um, for 28 days. They moved in December 19th, 1975. So a little more than a year and a month after the the murder Mm -hmm. took place there. Um, they bought the house for $80,000, which was kind of a steal at the time. Dang. Uh, I mean, that's a lot now, and that's a lot in 1970s. Ew, that house was big. Like, I would just yeah. live with the ghosts. Be like, I'm <laughs> sorry, guys. <laughs> well, it was lakefront property. It had a boathouse. Yeah. Like, you know, it was a pretty good deal. I think it was on a canal, not on a lake. Yeah. Like, it matters. <laughs> I wasn't going to fact check you. <laughs> so then, like, after that, pretty much, you know, they the, the story everybody else knows, where... They start experiencing weird paranormal things. They start mm-hmm. hearing noises. They have a priest come in. And then after 28 days, they flee. Because of zombies. Zombies or... No, because 28 days later. stupid. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they met with this guy, Jay Anson. And he worked with them getting their side of the story. And he had compiled some information that he had pulled about the DeFeo case. And he wrote the book, The Amityville Horror. This is, by many accounts, a highly fictionalized version of the true events. Uh, Even the DeFeos themselves. I know, right? Who could have believed it? I almost said the DeFeos. Even the Lutzes themselves. There's no more left. (laughs) They couldn't give any, like, really firm details about what had happened. Uh, The the number one thing they reported was that they felt um, a lot of feelings of dread and feelings like an oppressive evil force in the house and did they, they have a toddler <laughs> they, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> they had a five-year-old oh well there you go <laughs> there you go um and that they they just felt this they felt unwelcome they also felt like the two of them were living in very different homes uh kathy and george because mm-hmm. george was constantly like irritable and just kind of upset and uh, like you see in the movies mm-hmm and Kathy was just fearful. Like, she just didn't like being in the house. Um, when I was listening to the audiobook, and there's the chapter where, like, they're in the house and they're sort of describing what happened, 
My first thought was they have a carbon monoxide leak in the house. Remember in the beginning of this episode when you were like, oh, I always say it's carbon dioxide. Well, I wasn't going to say that I wasn't going to point out when that's what <laughs> happened, but that's what happened. I mean, that's because the, the symptoms of that are, you know, uh, uh, disturbances in your sleep. Auditory, hallucinations. Auditory hallucinations. And a feeling of dread. A feeling of impending doom. Which, what a weird thing for a poisonous gas to do to you. Yeah, what is your brain trying to do with this? <laughs> Can you imagine if I'm like, that poison will kill you. That poison makes you sleepy, then you die. That poison makes you think you're haunted. It's, like, <laughs> it's so silly. I guess if all the poisonings might go out with haunted, you know? That's true, because that will eventually kill you. Like, yeah. You, you, can't, you can't breathe that But, like, you go out with a bang, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, and then after that, so there was a, a point where um, George had um, had his wife contact this local uh, Sacred Heart rectory, and they sent a Catholic priest over, um, Father Mancuso, I think was his name. And he went in, and he was doing a blessing on the house, which wasn't really all that unusual. A Catholic pri- I mean, I know lots of people, they move into a place that have a priest bless it. Yeah. Uh, magic. And so he went in, he said he was in the bedroom on the second floor, and he heard a voice distinctly tell him to get out. And that he started to develop hives and blisters, and he felt like he had a high fever. And he ran out of the house without explaining himself to anybody. And uh, later he developed stigmata blisters on his hands. And when the when George and Kathy called him and were like, hey, so what the hell was that all about? He was like, you have to get out of the house. And they were like, thanks, bud. No. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, I mean, he could have just said, you have insane amounts of black mold and all the vents. Like, yeah, amazed you're not sick now. Um, and then eventually they moved out because things became too frightening. There was just too much activity, windows closing, spooky drafts, you know. <laughs> spooky the, drafts. <laughs> the kind of things that drive people out of the house. And uh, later, when they were asked, can you go into more detail? What happened? What did you see? They said, we can't talk about it. It's too frightening. And I was like, okay, that's kind of sounds like you're lying. Yeah. I'm not trying to be judgmental, but if I had to assess this as a third party person, which I do, <laughs> you sound like you're lying to me. Oh, you didn't have anything to add? <laughs> No, they sound like... It's like they can't think of something spooky to say. They're like, oh, no, it's so spooky. I can't say what it is. You had to be there, honestly. Yeah. The ghost was like, I can't do it. You should have been there. <laughs> you would have seen it. Um, so this came out, and it was highly criticized by everybody. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, and pretty much, um, the Lutzes claimed that they weren't working directly with Jay Anson, but... Um, the Lutz's children were able to report that they remembered him coming to their house and like having wine with their parents and getting a recorder out. And like, what if they were balling. swingers? <laughs> God, <I don't> <laughs> it was that. the 70s. Uh, gross. <laughs> um, but she remembers them like spitballing ideas about the story with him. Oh, wow. And he initially was going to write it as like a almost like a journalistic kind of thing because he did write books like that. Um, he actually uh, did some documentary stuff where he wrote for documentaries and stuff like that. So this wasn't something that, you know, would have been out of the question for him to do. But instead, he wrote this book, which is mostly fabricated. Right. So we come to uh, the house itself is still there. 
I actually believe it was recently sold, like last year. Or Did they have like to that. change the windows because people kept like stopping by and stuff? Right. So because the house is so distinct looking. Yeah. Um, yeah, they had the, the house changed, so it no longer looks like the Amityville Horror House, which the poor people that live there. Right. That's got to be such a nightmare to deal with. Um, I know that we have, here in Kansas, we have the Sally House in Atchison, which is very, very haunted, apparently. Mm-hmm. And they have the same sort of rules. Like, they they don't want people screwing with the house. <laughs> and luckily, it's not as distinct. But. Yeah, their house just looks like a house. Like, if you didn't know the address, you would just think it's a, like a duplex. Yeah. But um, the Amityville House, very distinct. Totally, totally. I'm going to go back. The house, like I said, it's still there. Uh, the Lutzes, their children are all alive. I don't know if the I don't know if George and Kathy are still alive. Um, it's only the seventies. Yeah, but I mean they're in their thirties. Like that was almost fifty years ago. I have no concept of time. <laughs> so like nineteen ninety two was thirty years ago. Nineteen seventy five is almost fifty years ago. <laughs> I spent five years of my life working with seniors. Okay, people get old. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But there's a lot of inc- a lot of things about the novel people point out as being untrue. Uh, there's a tavern there called the Witch's Brew, which is not a real place in Amityville, so that's not really a thing in the book. <laughs> also, uh, no priests ever went to the house. Oh, at, at all. Um, the one priest that is like they're actually able to confirm had any connection to this case said that he talked to George Lutz on the phone, but he never went there. He just spoke to him on the phone. Oh. Um, also, there was uh, some stuff going around, some information going around, I should say, about how the Vatican had sent two representatives to the house to investigate it. And they wrote up a report, and they then went back to the Vatican, and they the Vatican then holds the position that it is the most evil place in America, the most haunted house in America. So well, they haven't been to every house. They haven't been to every house. I think the most haunted one, no one leaves. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I found out something very interesting about that. One, the Vatican keeps records of stuff like that. What? Yeah. And guess what? They have no records of anyone ever going to Amityville because they never sent anyone. But how (laughs) rad would a movie be of like, instead of, you know, the, um, what are those people that go to all those haunted things and insidious is about them like exorcists no the couple oh they're like the the warrens the warrens so they have like all the movies with the warrens investigating things i would love it if they did like the places the vatican went to go visit well and they kind of have done that like the right is based on a real story of a priest that went and dealt with some crazy that does sound like the wrong though (laughs) (laughs) anthony hopkins is how dare you (laughs) Uh, no, so I actually agree with that. I think it would be really cool to see like the unsealed Vatican records yes. of old investigations, like the X Files, but it's like two priests that go and investigate. Oh my God! Why is that not made yet? Oh man! See, we said it. Now it's going to get made. We're going to get no credit. That's bullshit. Yeah, but then we get to watch it. I want money. <laughs> <laughs> I want money for this idea. <laughs> Yeah, so that, that's pretty much, like, that's the whole thing. Is like, every part of it was able to be picked apart and found to be false. Right. Um, there were lots of documentaries about the house and about the story and about the Lutzes and their stuff. Everyone from, like, the Sunday News, the New York Sunday News, to Good Housekeeping did articles on this house. What? Um, the History Channel did a thing called Amityville, uh, The Haunting, 
and Amityville Horror or Hoax. I watched both of those. Um, you don't need to watch them. Uh, <laughs> Does it have Jonathan Franks? No. Then I don't give a shit. That's how I feel. <laughs> uh, like I said, there was lots and lots and lots of research that was done into the story to find that most of it is completely untrue. Right. I think it's ridiculous because the true part is the cool part. There was a really weird murder that we still don't know why it happened. Yeah. And then this family moved in a year later and, like, they couldn't stay in the house. Now, I will say, the Lutzes and the realtor who sold them the house were aware of the murders. Like, when we watched, because the, the one horror, the one Amityville horror movie we watched together was the one with Ryan Reynolds and his abs. <laughs> and uh, in that one, they made it seem like the murders were like this long forgotten memory. Yeah, until when, the babysitter comes. Yeah, and it's like, it happened a year ago. <laughs> of course they remember. So we've talked about the movies, so we're going to talk about the movies. <laughs> this is a list of the Amityville horror movies. Okay. Starting in 1979 with the Amityville Heart. Mm -hmm. That one is basically unwatchable. Wow, that is right after. Oh, yeah. They made it very quick. Ooh. Um, yeah, that's kind of how I felt about it. Like, the, Yikes. The people who were murdered, like their fam family and friends, like, that's rough. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, 1979. Then there was um, Amityville 2, The Possession, which came out in 1982. Amityville 3D, which came out in 1983. <gasps> I'm sorry. For the 10-year anniversary of this poor family's death, they made a 3D version? Yeah. What? That way you could feel like you were being in the scene. Oh my god. Then there was Amityville 4, The Evil Escapes, 1989. The Amityville Curse, 1990. Amityville, It's About Time, 1992. Uh, back up. <gasps> oh, man. What is that? Um, I don't know. Uh, that's one I actually couldn't find anywhere to watch. I, I found the Wikipedia article for it, which um, it was made by the same guy who made Hellbound, Hellraiser 2. That's, so it's a masterpiece. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think we can, we can say that safely. If anyone has access to a copy of this, let us know. Yeah, it's the one I actually couldn't... Well, there's a couple of them I couldn't find, but that's one I, I could not find. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then, right after that, 1993, because they were pumping these out, was Amityville, A New Generation, then there was... Oh, is it like Star Trek? Yeah, yeah. Oh, sweet. Yeah, holodeck. Um, <laughs> Amityville Dollhouse. That's another one I couldn't find. Uh, that one was made in 1996. Um, and it looks like it. <laughs> the Amityville Horror 2005 remake, which I want to talk about that one specifically, because mm -hmm. of all the ones I saw, that was the most watchable one. Because of Ryan Reynolds' abs. Yeah, I mean, that goes without saying, <laughs> They coupled his abs with, which were insane, by the way. We'll talk about it. But <laughs> the Amityville Haunting, 2011. The Amityville Asylum, another one I couldn't find. Uh, Amityville Death House. The Amityville Playhouse. Amityville No Escape. Amityville Vanishing Point. Legacy. Amityville Terror, which I don't know why you have to change the name. But <laughs> Amityville Prison, which that was another one I could not find. And Amityville, The Awakening. There were actually two other ones that I can't find information about them, so I couldn't watch them. The Amityville Murders, and one that came out last year, The Amityville Harvest. Which, I kind of hope that that one's just put out by, like, the local Amityville city government. <laughs> and is about, like, a fall festival they have and has nothing oh, to do. Oh, I love that! I kind of hope that that's what's going on. Um... <laughs> 
But yeah, the remake, oh my god, like, it's basically just The Shining. Yeah. It's exactly The Shining. It's yeah. bad things happen in the house, they're seeing ghosts, the dad goes crazy and kills people. But With the, an axe, no less. But the worst part of it all is that the, the deaths or the ghosts yes. don't match their deaths. Like, it, they don't make any sense at all. Yeah, like when, when Brian Reynolds doing it with his wife and there's yeah. like a hanging girl, no one got hung. It's Jody, who is a character they made up for the film because there wasn't a Jody DeFeo. Um, they even have in the, the, the in the film, she's like in the closet and like that's not a thing. That didn't yeah, so that she got killed in the closet and it's like, nah. She got shot in the closet and throughout the film, she has a hole in her head. That she makes the babysitter put her finger in for some reason. Yeah. And then, the ghosts are demonic. They're the ones, they're the victims. I don't understand why they're haunting. <laughs> well, and, and she appears, like you said, in that sex scene as she's like hanged, like she's, she's got a noose around her neck, which, yeah, that's not how she died. Yeah. And also, I don't really care what horror movie you're doing. I don't think it's ever appropriate to introduce a child, even if it's a ghost child, into a sex scene. I think it's yeah. so weird. Yeah, that's pretty gross. I'm, I kind of feel like Ryan Reynolds read the script and was like, I'm doing this just for shiggles. Like, this is so funny. Yeah, and like, it's just, it's just so weird. Because the ghost, like, there's only, really only the little girl comes out, and she's not the only victim. And they don't really have the other ghosts. And then there's that bathtub scene, which I knew they just threw in for wet Ryan Reynolds. But, yeah. like, he gets attacked in the bathtub. But, like, why? Well, and there's an earlier scene where there's, like, a jump scare where you see, like, a drowned person. Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense. I mean, it kind of makes sense later because, okay, so one of, the, one of the big things with this film is they try to establish a link between this home and the murders and this guy, John Ketchum. Because there's this thing, catch him, kill him, that you see all over the, the oh, house. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's written out in magnets on the fridge. It's catch him with an apostrophe E-M. Kill him. Which, who the hell has apostrophe magnets? Yeah, <laughs> right? In 1974. Yeah. He was, he's, a, he's linked to the uh, Salem trials, like, historically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's kind of it. Like, he's not, there's, I kind of don't think he's a real historical figure. I think he's based on someone mm-hmm. because I can't really find anything about a John Ketchum anywhere. And the idea is that he was like this pilgrim looking figure who built the house or the basement in like the 1600s and he used it to torture Lenape Indians and that they are the ones who are haunting the house. But they're not. They only show the kids. Well, I think the, kid. the, the one wet person in the bathroom might have been uh, one of the Indians. The fact that you cannot definitively say who that right. was tells you what you need about the movie. And <laughs> it's just, oh god. Um, guess who didn't like that movie? George Lutz. <laughs> Why not? He said it was drivel. And um, he sued the production company for breach of contract, defamation, and libel. He, he particularly had a, a problem with the scene where him, played by Ryan Reynolds, you're welcome, George. I know, right? Um, kills the dog with an axe because he was like, that never happened and I would never do that. Um, Fair enough. Uh, but he also said that the scene, so there's like one point in the film where George, it's like way late in the film, he kind of like 
telegraphs to his family, like, I'm gonna kill all you, by building all of their coffins. Oh, yeah. And he, and the real George Lutz was like, that's insane, like, none of this happened. And it's like, George, none of it happened, let's be (laughs) clear here. And uh, his defamation uh, lawsuit was thrown out, because they were like, dude, none of it happened, shut up. (laughs) But yeah, so the local uh, Native American leadership said that not only was there no evidence of any Lenape tribes in that area during the time the film claims they were there, but there's no record whatsoever of any of them being captured, being tortured, anything like that. They went so far as to denounce the film, saying that it was furthering stereotypes about Native American burial rituals and about Native American dead. Because, like, how many movies is it's like, oh, it's an old Indian burial ground. Yeah. And they were like, not cool, guys, which, agree. Have we done enough <laughs> as, you know, a society? <laughs> so one of the things that uh, features very prominently in the film is Ryan Reynolds is constantly shirtless <laughs> and in pajama pants. <laughs> like, <It's>... out chopping wood. <laughs> I saw this movie when I was 16, so, like... And we watched it recently, too. Yeah. Your second flowering, we call it. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, literally, it's the only reason to watch the movie. His abs are insane. (laughs) Like, he must have just came off of doing Green Lantern or something. Like, he is superhumanly cut in that film. (laughs) And, like, anytime... And he always comes in from chopping wood. He's covered in sweat. And I'm waiting. Like, he's going up the stairs. And his wife just tackles him. Like, (laughs) jumps his bones, like, right there. She tried to, and then the little girl hung herself, so... Yeah. Well, and she's kind of always on him when he doesn't have a shirt on. And so when he's acting like a psychotic asshole, she's still like, well, no one's done. Like, there's the, where, at the end where he's chasing them around with an axe. Yeah. And he's like, if you don't kill me, I'll kill you. And so she hits him in the face with the rifle. She's like, no one's dying today. Kids, get a rope instead of, you know, get the hell out of there. Yeah. And it's because, I think, instead of running, she ties him up just in case <laughs> she might get to see him with his shirt off one more time. <laughs> Which, fair enough. And then I think he tries to kill her earlier when uh, she walks into the boathouse. Yeah. And he shines a light in her face and for some reason she loses her balance and falls <laughs> in the water. What how Kathy Lutz feels about that scene. Oh my goodness. And then her hair gets caught in the, the engine of the boat. The propeller? The propeller of the boat. Yeah. Thank, thank you. <laughs> and it stalls the engine. I don't know about you, but like I've never heard of someone's hair just tying up an engine enough in a boat. The propeller just goes, nope, I'm done. Yeah, and she just gets up. She's like, oh, you tried to kill me. It's well, like- he stares at her for a minute. <laughs> yeah. And then he rewinds the, the propeller and it lets her go. <laughs> and her hair just comes out easily like nothing. Yeah. And she's not appropriately mad either. Yeah. For that. She just yells at him for trying to kill her, not like... And her hair looks fine as well. <laughs> it's not torn up or anything. I took a walk today and my hair is jacked. God, like... what an awful movie. And then at the end, there's that ghost child, Jody, And she, like, vanishes into the floor. And I'm like, I don't care about that. She's dead. Like, I don't care. Yeah, I think my main gripe is that the ghosts don't make sense in that movie. Because, mm-hmm. like, horrific killings. Why are the ghosts mad at family... Why is there only the one? Well, and they, they set up a premise that it's these these ghosts of these Native Americans that are angry because they were murdered, or it's the ghost of John Ketchum. Like, they're really not clear about who it is. Yeah. But it's like, right, then, are, okay, maybe they're trying to say that this is what happened to Ronnie DeFeo, that he was influenced by the... Yeah. His family lived in that house for 15 years. <laughs> Why did the Lutzes move in, and, like, less than a month later, it's, like, The Shining, 
But the fan lives are 15 years. Like, were the ghosts on vacation or something? Like, <laughs> Maybe it takes a lot of time to, like, load their mana. <laughs> they were, like, they were like thumbing through the handbook for the recently deceased. Like, <laughs> how the hell do we do this? You know, that makes sense. It reads like stereo instructions. <laughs> I like to imagine Jody, Ketchum, and the natives were all just, like, sitting together trying to figure this shit out. <laughs> John walking back and forth, just frustrated, <laughs> thumbing through the book. I don't understand why the house is supposed to be like three or four hundred years old, and this is the the only two times it's ever happened. Yeah, where someone's gone crazy like this. They also did kind of play up the isolation of the the house. They make it kind of seem like it's like way out in the middle of nowhere, but in reality, because I looked it up on Google Street View, the neighbors are less than fifty feet away. Like they're all it's in a suburban area. It's not <laughs> in the wilderness at all. Uh, so it's a little it's a little silly. One of the things that I like about the Amityville Horror is that it's this is sort of like this extreme mutated version of a campfire story. Mm-hmm. You know, the hook hand on the car door kind of thing. Like, it was just a really... Of the murder, which in and of itself is weird. It, the, yeah. the way it happened is strange. The details of the murder are strange. And if you want more information, I highly, highly recommend that you read about the DeFeo murders because... Just the murders by themselves. Forget the Lutzes and the Warrens and all the... I don't think the Warrens are involved, but whatever. I bet um, they wanted to be. I kind of think they might have been. I think they might have gone to the house at one point. I'll have to look that up. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure they did. I'm pretty sure they did. Of course. Uh, but it was after the Lutzes had already left and everything like that. Just this by itself is pretty interesting mm-hmm. and pretty uh, strange is the best word for it. It's a really strange case. If you like true crime, definitely you know mm-hmm. check it out. But then you have... What I think is even more interesting about the murders is less than a year later, someone moves into the house, they know about the murders, and they start claiming there's all this strange stuff. I think, personally, the house was too expensive. They couldn't afford the payments. And they realized it too late. Oh, shit. Maybe. And so they're like, we need a way out. Like, (laughs) I really think that might be part of what happened. Because it doesn't make any sense to spend all that money to get the house. George was a contractor. Mm -hmm. So he was looking to restore the house. It doesn't make any sense to do all that. And then, you know... Bail? Bail, yeah. Yeah. Because of things too frightening to talk about. I don't know. Or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe something legitimately terrifying did happen, and it was enough for him to walk away from an investment like that. Or maybe carbon dioxide. Which is doubly bad if a contractor could not detect a carbon dioxide leak in the house. Oh, no. <laughs> so you have that really cool murder. Uh, really cool murder. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> well, you have this really cool story. Right. That's It's interesting in a true crime way. It's right. like, I'm not happy it happened, but it's it's really interesting. And then right after that, you have the thing with the Lutzes, and that's really weird and strange, and I feel like they were primed, maybe. Mm-hmm. But then it became this... It, be, it got weirder where this author gets involved and he writes this crazy book about their experiences, which is totally fabricated. And then it becomes a movie franchise and now everybody knows the Amityville horror. Like, yeah. Everywhere. So it sort of became this campfire story that's sort of based on truth, but mostly it's fake, you know. It's really cool. What, what do you think about the Amityville horror? Movies or the whole thing? Whatever. whatever. The movies, I, I can't get through them. It's just, it is just The Shining, but in like a smaller house. And then the, I would love to learn more about the case itself, like the the DeFeo murders. Yeah, because all I know is about the Lutzes, and that kind of takes away from like the family that experienced true horror, yeah, as opposed to some spookular stuff. And I'm kind of amazed that, you know, in an age where we have so many remakes and reboots and, you know, trying to find interesting angles for pre-existing stories... I'm kind of surprised we haven't seen a film 
that's just about like Ronnie. Ronnie, like yeah. not about the ghosts or the demons or whatever, but just a real like a you know like almost like a um like my friend Dahmer, like that kind of mm-hmm. movie, like just about him and his life growing up and what happened. Yeah. And how he got led to this place. And I know that that'd be a very hard film to make Mm -hmm. because we don't, because he changes his story so much. But I think with what we know, we could make a pretty interesting movie, you know? Um, Kind of reminds me of like Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, like that kind of film. I think Mm -hmm. we could definitely, someone could definitely do it. I can't do it. (laughs) We could try. (laughs) Yeah. Only us are the characters, so we have to keep (laughs) switching different hats. Right. There was, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the kid, Daniel... Macaulay Culkin. Macaulay Culkin. No, Daniel Lutz. He lived in the house during the period on which the book and the films are based. Right. Because uh, I guess they moved the kids out like a little bit before they actually left, which, smart. Yeah. And he tells the same story that his stepfather George and his mother told. So, I mean, I'm going to say that, because I think Daniel was like seven at the time, like... I'm going to say his memory might have been a little fuzzy. I'm mm-hmm. not really sure. Uh, but he claims that both him and his stepfather, George, were possessed during this time. And that George demonstrated telekinesis. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and he suggested many times that George had been dabbling in the occult, which is what initiated these sort of demonic happenings. What? Yeah. Yeah. It's, this I mean, like, this story is so crazy, and it gets crazier and crazier the more you read about it. He dabbled in the occult? He dabbled in the occult. Dabbled. Yeah. Just a little bit of possession. Just a smidge. He's <laughs> got, like, a gram of possession. Ah. <laughs> 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 but that's what I mean, is, like, this story is so crazy. There's so much going on here. Do I think real ghosts, demons? No, definitely not. Obviously. I think that the the murders were tragic. I think that Ronnie was either mentally disturbed or he was on drugs or a combination. They did say that he had antisocial disorder. So, you know, that's uh, who's to say? Uh, with but the Lutzes, we yeah. haven't ruled out aliens. No, we haven't. Um, I think that it's entirely possible that it could have just been aliens. Like Jay Anson could have been an alien. Yeah. The author. I don't really think that the Lutzes experienced anything. I, I think that they, because they didn't know about the murders and they knew what the house was when they bought it. So obviously they're going in primed or at least they're going in with some kind of idea. Yeah. And then lo and behold, they just happen to get in contact with this author and it becomes this worldwide best-selling novel and a multi-billion dollar film franchise. So, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of reasons they could have just made all that crap up. For sure. I would, man, if I bought a house that big, that beautiful, that much money on water, me and the ghosts are fucking, we're playing Parcheesi. Like, I'm not yeah. moving out of a house. Yeah. I would just have logs made of sage in the fireplace. <laughs> you guys got a bounce. Yeah. I would just be burning patchouli and all kinds of crap all around the house. Get out. You know what? Lily always wants someone to play with. I'm like, go play with the ghost. What are you doing? <laughs> to be fair, though, in the film, the ghost tries to make the little girl jump off the house. So That's true. Maybe if we're really nice to the ghosts. Or surround the house with trampolines. <laughs> I love it. Dig a moat. (laughs) If you want to go down this weird true crime paranormal rabbit hole, definitely read about the DeFeo murders because they're so interesting. Yeah. And if you want to see abs, um, watch the remake. Yeah, I mean, it's fun. As I think it's a good way to introduce people to Ryan Reynolds' abs. Put it on mute. If you don't want to watch a horror movie. Or if you don't want to watch a uh, superhero movie. Yeah. You can just watch his abs throughout. Yeah. Put it on mute. Listen to Willow's Wait a Minute. Like, it's perfect. (laughs) 
<laughs> it makes no sense that he's in that movie. <laughs> it makes no sense. I never thought of him as like, horror movie, leading man, Ryan Reynolds. Because <laughs> he's still Ryan Reynolds the whole time. You can follow us on Twitter at Harley Paranormy with a Y. You can join our Facebook group at Harley Paranormal, or you can like it on Facebook, but the group is a more fun one. True. You can also follow us on Instagram at Hardly Paranormal. That's where I am the most active. I'm more active on Facebook, so I mean, like, that's where we have the good times. I don't understand. Because <laughs> you have a silly face. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> or you can send us an email at HarleyParanormal at gmail.com. Or you can send me jokes. <gasps> send me jokes. <laughs> so until then, I've been Jerry. I've been Lacey. Wait, I said until then. Yeah. But I didn't say what until what? <laughs> until the next episode. I guess. I've been Jerry. But once that episode starts, <laughs> I'll be Lacey. <laughs> I'll be Ryan Reynolds' abs. Oh, wicked. <laughs> Remember, it's probably just the wind. Or Ryan Reynolds.